Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ambassadors Forum radio show here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high-tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to answer life's hard questions the same way Jesus did. Well, I have the incredible privilege today of interviewing one of the most well-known Christian professors and scientists of our time, Dan Hastings from MIT. Dan is a rocket scientist and a professor of aeronautics and astronautics at MIT. He was born in England. He earned his bachelor's degree in mathematics from the University of Oxford and his master's degree and Ph.D. in aeronautics and astronautics from MIT. He has served as the chief scientist of the Air Force. He's held numerous leadership and board positions in the areas of technology and policy, and he has served as MIT's Dean of Undergraduate Education. He has been an outspoken Christian his entire career and a featured speaker at the Veritas Forum in Cambridge, discussing the interaction of science and the Christian faith. I am both humbled and honored to have him here with us today. Professor Hastings, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. You've taught advanced technical courses in areas like plasma physics, rocket propulsion, space systems engineering, and advanced space power systems at the highest levels of academia and amongst the most elite intellectual institutions in the world. One of the popular notions today is that anybody who is a scientist or an engineer or a philosopher, anyone who is a thinking person, couldn't possibly be a Christian because those two things are in conflict. What's been your experience over the years? Well, uh, first of all, I claim don't believe that. <laughs> uh, and, and let me say, and I've had philosophers actually tell me this, you know, if there's a rational way to think about something other than Christianity, it's not atheism, because atheism asserts that there is no God, and there is no proof of that. It's, mm. it's as strong as an assertion as that there is a God. If there is a rational way to think about something that's not Christianity, it's much more likely to be agnosticism, which is mm. that you just cannot know, right? Mm. You just cannot know because of the nature of God if there is a God, right? Now, I would say the answer to that is, as human beings, you know, we, we only have an imperfect sense of God from within ourselves, but God has chosen to reveal himself, mm. right? I mean, that's what he did in, in both in the Old Testament and then supremely in the person of Jesus Christ. So... Not only do I obviously not accept the position that you can't be a Christian, but I would say you know, being a believer allows one to think about the world, to have a world view which is holistic mm. and you know, rational, and it's the best world view that fits what we actually see in the world. You know? mm. So just in that sense alone, I find it to be convincing, but of course it's also knowing the person of Jesus Christ that makes it uh, absolutely convincing to me. Are there any ways, as a rocket scientist and a space physicist, are there any ways that you've come to see God in in the work and in the science of what you do that may not be obvious to people who have not studied in that field? Well, 
actually, one of the ways is what Einstein called the unreasonable power of mathematics. You know, it's just incredible to me. You know, God made the universe and the solar system and so on with the power of mathematics, which of course is a a human construct, which allows us to, language, which allows us to kind of write down physical law about what's occurring in the world. You know, with the power of mathematics, you know, we can write down equations and then describe what happens high accuracy in our solar system. We can describe what's happening far away around other stars. And, right. You know, all with the power of mathematics. It's just, actually, Einstein himself thought, it's got language to describe, mm. you know, the world, in a sense, right? I find that just fascinating. Mm. That's very good. What's it been like being an outspoken Christian and committed follower of Christ at a renowned scientific institute like MIT, an institute that some have called the temple to a sacred goddess of scientific and technological innovation, the source of all truth and knowledge? Has it been difficult to be a, a very outspoken Christian in that environment? Well, you know, for... I'm not sure if I asked the leadership of MIT, is MIT a source of all truth? Or <laughs> Whether they would buy into that statement. Right? But I think many would, would like to claim it as, as something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, but, but any person who thinks about it realizes that, you know, at the heart of science is a scientific method which talks about being able to replicate things. And, you know, so we, we can construct theories, but there are things we just cannot replicate, right? Mm. So... In that sense, science is always limited, right? right? It is always limited. And there are things about the human nature which it just cannot tell us about. So now having said that, you know, MIT is an institution which, of course, has very strong science and engineering, but also strong humanities as well. Mm. You know, historians and artists and musicians and, you know, and, and so on. And they would not buy into the notion that science is the, you know, the Fount of all knowledge. It's fount of some knowledge, right? Mm. It's definitely a poll which says, you know, to be a Christian is to be somebody who is intellectually weak, mm. right? That Christianity is a crutch, you know, to explain what you can't currently explain. I mean, and, and of course, you get into that trap if you end up thinking that. God is the explanation for everything we cannot currently explain, right? Because then as soon as you currently explain it, that rationale for God goes away, mm. right? In a sense, if you're in that position, then God just retreats in the face of definition. Mm. But I, I don't have that position. I don't believe that God is the God of the gaps, as it's right. sometimes, right. sometimes uh, called, right? But I have definitely run into that attitude that you're intellectually weak. if you. Mm. But, but interestingly enough, among uh, most people... Who are I've run into who are scientists and engineers, they just accept it. Or you, you're a Christian, I'm something else, right? As I said, actually, the most rational position is not atheism, it's agnosticism. And they would say, I just don't know. And I would say, well, I do know, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, okay, we can then debate those um, two different uh, positions. Right, right. One of the fascinating things that I've learned as I've grown in my faith, as an engineer, as a scientist, as someone with a technical background, I've found the objective truth and reality of God to be fascinating. You, you can learn so much about God by applying 
our reason and our faculties to, to creation around us. But also, in addition to that, the Bible describes God as a God of revelation. That's you know, he, he wants to communicate things to us that we could never know through the scientific method, through observation. He just reveals them to us uh, right. in his word, things about Christ, things about our sinful nature, things about salvation and heaven. And I found that quite comforting, that uh, not only does God give us creation to study around us that points us to him, as it talks about in Romans 1, but there are also just so many things that he wants to reveal to us about himself, and that's pretty yes. cool. Yes. Well, I know that as you've progressed in your career, specifically at MIT, you've had the opportunity to kind of focus more on the personal side than just the academic research. How have you used that opportunity as a tenured professor at MIT to reach out to the students and the, the other faculty around you? Well, I would say in two ways. So first of all, I don't hide the fact that I'm a Christian. If you come into my office, of course, I'm not in my office now because of COVID. But if you did, <laughs> if you did, yeah. you see there's a Bible prominently there, mm. right? I you know speak periodically at the Graduate Christian Fellowship or mm. sometimes with the Undergraduate Christian Fellowship, and those are advertised, mm. right? It's in the new, it's in the student newspaper. So in that sense. I'm out in the community mm. of MIT advertising who I am and what I do. And, and I also put it up on my uh, website. Mm. Okay, so in that sense, it's all there. And then what I find is that once people know that you're a Christian, that there are students who just want to come and talk to you mm. about that, right? So, mm. so I'm always open to that. Now, I don't go into my classes and start by saying, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus Christ, because I'm not there to talk about Jesus Christ. Sure. I'm there to talk about, you know, plastic physics or whatever it is <laughs> teaching that day, right? Uh, what I do actually do is, whenever I'm asked in a student group or in class to introduce myself, right? and, and frequently you're in meetings where you're asked to introduce yourself, mm. I mean, if it's appropriate and the introductions are more of a personal nature as opposed to just a professional nature, then I will bring in, you know, and talk about the fact that I'm Christian. Now, if the introduction is entirely a professional one, you know, but I said I found over the years that various students just want to come talk to me. So, okay, we'll talk. And I, they sometimes tell me their issues or how they're wrestling with faith or, you know, and, you know we discuss it. And hmm. I've had a number of discussions over the years with do you think it's been encouraging uh, to, to students and, and maybe even you know, more junior faculty to see that it is possible to be committed in your faith and an outspoken Christian and still get you know, achievements in your career and asked to lead board and things on policy, that it's not an academic suicide to have a committed open faith in Christ? Do you think that's been encouraging to some of those students? Oh, I certainly hope so. Let me say, I, of course, have operated in the worlds of engineering at MIT, mm -hmm. but I've seen promotions at every level of the institution, okay. mm. but, of course, up, up through the lens of engineering. Right. Uh, I've never seen a case where somebody's religious leanings or background, whether they're Christian or not, or anybody else for that matter, 
have been discussed as part of their promotion. When you say academic suicide, I, I, what I would say is certainly from the perspective of engineering, which is the you know the knowledge base I have. Right. I've never seen it, and I've seen lots of cases. Right. I, oh, that's I, encouraging. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that it might not happen somewhere else, like sure. in the, more in the humanistic disciplines. Sure. All right. All right. Uh, but, but certainly in engineering, you know, what matters is, you know, what you do technically. Right. That's what, that's what I mean, for a promotion, that's what matters. Not, not what your religious beliefs are. Right? Oh, that's encouraging. <laughs> so I would reject the idea that being a Christian is academic suicide. It's not. That's good. That's encouraging. Well, you you have a very different day job <laughs> as a rocket scientist and a space physicist than uh, most of the American population. How would you say that being a Christian affects your vocation or your areas of research? Well, actually, that's exactly why I got involved with various kind of uh, policy issues, hmm. because... It's in policy that you bring the values of a community to bear. Mm. Some things are right to do because they affect people positively. Other things are wrong to do because they affect people negatively. And so I'd say that's exactly why I find myself interested at the interface of technology and the policy issues. Mm. Because I am interested in bringing a kind of values-based perspective to bear. And I try to make it such that you would say it's a Christian set of values. I, I'm not going to pretend that everybody who's in the policy world brings a Christian set of values, but, <laughs> because that would be naive. But, right. but certainly if you're interested in that interface, you have to bring what the values of the community are, because that's what policy is about. Mm. It's, a, of course, named after polis, the Greek word polis, <laughs> which we get the word political from, right. which is, you know, the people, the city, right? So the polis, the people. Mm. And have you found opposition to your values because they're Christian? Or, or have, have people been accepting because they're, they're good values? No, no, I think most people who in at that interface accept the notion that you have to have some set of values, mm. right? And, and that is important. Um, when I taught the uh, core technology and policy class, one of the things we would do is uh, what is called the kidney problem. Have you heard this problem before? No. Okay, so so it's where you say, okay, I have 10 people and I have, you know, five kidneys and they all need kidneys. Okay, how are we going to disperse them? Right? Mm. I'm just first of all put it that way. And MIT being what it is, the first order answer of, of most of the students is, Use a random number generator. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. ra randomly choose five out of ten. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because on the face of it, it seems like it's absolutely fair, right? Right. So, right random number generator. Okay. So then I said, well, all right, random number generator. But then I tell them, all right, now I'm going to tell you that one of these people is a nun who worked with Mother Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another person is just a, is a gangster who who is you know just got out of jail. Yeah. Yet another person is very wealthy and can buy whatever you want. Yeah. 
you, what you find then, all people say, oh, no, no, the Mother Teresa type, they should get kidnapped. <laughs> There's another the, factor here. Yeah, the gangster, yeah. forget the gangster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and actually, most people don't like the idea of giving it to somebody just because they're rich. Right. So I said, oh, okay, so you actually have a set of values there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. You wouldn't do it randomly because right. at the end of the day, some people you think that are not deserving may get the kidney. Right. And is that right? So it may be absolutely fair in the sense of, you know, it's, it's as random as you get, right? Mm-hmm. But, it's, but it's not necessarily right. Right. right? And so mm. it's just to, to make the students recognize that they actually, whether, even though if they don't recognize it, that they have a set of values that they do bring to bear on these issues, right? Oh, that's good. Would you think that being a Christian has made you a better scientist or engineer because you're a Christian? Um, I do believe it has certainly made me much more cognizant of the people around me. Hmm. I think it's important to care for your students and for the staff around you. Well, let me say, MIT is full of a, of a lot of very hard-charging, aggressive people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember. <laughs> There's a lot of A-type personalities yes. in MIT. And, you know, I actually don't have a conceptual problem with ambition, Hmm. but it must be tempered by what you do along the way to get to where you're getting. Hmm. And at the end of the day, it's more important to treat people well than it is to, you know, be the top scientist or top Hmm. engineer in your field. If, If in the process of doing that, you've stepped on a lot of people, then you haven't done the right thing. Right. Right. So it's definitely made me more, much more cognizant of kind of the effect I have upon people around me. Hmm. It's interesting you bring up the kind of personal aspect of life at MIT. I think one of the pillars of the Christian faith is the recognition of our inability to reach God through our own efforts. You know, that that we fail in the most important quest in life, which is being right with God. It it seems like that sense of failure must be particularly difficult to acknowledge and accept, especially in an environment of intense competition and achievement like MIT, like you described. What's been your experience in addressing that concept of failing you know, with students and faculty, what do they do when they fail? Where do they go? Is there a net in their worldview and their philosophy to catch them when they fail? Well, actually, that that's a big problem at MIT because for many of the students, you know, when they come to MIT and things don't go well in a class, it may literally be the first time it's ever happened to them in their mm. life, you know? Yeah. So... You know, the the standard in institutional position is, well, that's a kind of a mental health problem. We need to deal with it through mental health resources. Mm. And the institution does have a whole set of mental health resources that can actually point people to. So one of the things that has to happen at a place like MIT is, you know, in the book of Romans, you know, 12 verse 2, it says you, you should have a, basically a, don't think too much of yourself, but have an appropriate opinion, <laughs> an appropriate you know, perspective on yourself. And, and that's what actually has to happen. Mm. Uh, MIT is full of a lot of very, very smart people on the faculty and staff. 
but the reality is not all of them are going to be the very best at what they do. And so what they have to do is come to terms with who they are. And, and that coming to terms with who they are often involves some kind of failure. Mm. So what do they do? The ones who survive, you know, de- develop an appropriate perspective on themselves, you know, but often along the way it comes with some mental health crises. Mm. So, I mean, I say institutionally they get pointed to mental health to work it out. There's a lot of therapy that goes on at MIT because of that. Mm. Right. Now, from a Christian point of view, I'd say, you know, we've all failed before God. And, right. You know, God has given us each a certain set of abilities, and we need to do with it the best we can. But certainly in terms of our relationship with God and Jesus Christ, at the end of the day, it's not, it's not what we do, it's what, what he does for us, right? Right. And that, that's what's the important thing. So you know, what we have to do is develop that right perspective on who God is and who we are relative to him. Mm. And then, you know, use the gifts he has given us to the best of our ability. So if you don't end up the top person in the field, well, okay. Okay. Mm. That's good. Well, the the last question I have is, I interviewed Ian Hutchinson last week, another Mm. (laughs) brilliant scientist and committed follower of Christ at MIT. And he told me that there was actually quite a number of committed Christians among the faculty and, and students in MIT, mm-hmm. how has being part of that community both encouraged and challenged you in your faith during your time there? Well, encouraged because we meet periodically, and both their prayers and also their wisdom. I mean, Ian's been a good friend to me and given me wise advice. Uh, you know, it's been very helpful. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking to a Christian brother who you can share with and you know he's gone through understand some of the same issues right. that you're wrestling with and so on right so i that that's extremely encouraging and and of course challenging is because seeing how each of these people are working out their own faith mm. both in terms of their academic lives and what they're doing and how they're doing good in the world and also, you know, just watching that, you know, that's also is challenging because it makes me think, well, what, what, what am I doing? How can I do good? <laughs> right? oh, that's very good. Well, thank you so much for this interview. It's been uh, encouraging and enlightening to me. And I just thank you for sharing your perspective of years, of decades of dedicated service to God, but also in pursuit of very academic topics and and research uh, it's been a, it's been a joy to talk with you today certainly wow what a privilege to talk with a world-renowned rocket scientist and space physicist whose decades of experience in the highest levels of the fields of scientific research and policy have been consistent with his christian faith and what an encouragement to hear that he does not think that a strong, vibrant, and open commitment to Jesus Christ is some kind of impediment or hindrance to a scientific or technical career. Now, if you're a Christian, are you outspoken about your faith among your peers and colleagues? If not, why not? And if you're not a Christian, have you heard anything today in the testimony of Dan Hastings that has made you want to consider the claims of Jesus Christ? 
or the Bible is God's word, go to our website at theambassadorsforum.com to check out some of our resources or email us at info at theambassadorsforum.com with your specific questions or struggles. Finally, thank you for joining us on the radio today. You can join us every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on True Talk 800 a.m. KPDQ. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you.